Yeah, what were you doing? It sounded like you were throwing, like rolling a pallet jack into the back of a truck. Oh, uh, sliding glass door. Good lord. Yeah. Well, I guess the mic works. This is DJ Sacrifice, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. DJ Sacrifice. Sacrifice. I put that into a vengeance song. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. The guys from Earth Crisis, I didn't, I didn't coin myself that way, but those are the guys. Microphone's dragging all over your chest. Oh, sorry. I'll lean forward. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You have to. You have to slouch and sit with bad posture. Not a problem. Lean those beautiful blue eyes closer to the camera, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, how you doing, man? I'm so glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here, Trap. Nice to finally uh, connect. I know it's been a long road. Welcome back to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. My name's Trav. And I finally got the elusive, very difficult to book, very hard to nail down, Darren Johnson, DJ Sacrifice on the show. Dude, been listening to your stuff since I was a kid, I think, and uh, welcome. Welcome, welcome aboard. Thank you, Trav. Appreciate it, man. Nice to hear. Stoked to have you on. Um, For openers, I have to publicly thank you because uh, my my cousin Steven co-hosted the show for a long time. And out of the blue, yeah. Steven goes, um, dude, DJ sent you a, a scattered few poster from 1994 
Extraction from Mortality on vinyl, and a Living Sacrifice black and white, and some other Inhabit picture. Do you want them? And I was like, do I want them? Of course I want them. I think he was trying to keep them. And I was like, hell yeah, I want them. So uh, he mailed them to me. And uh, dude, thank you so much. Why? Why would you do such a thing? You could have. You could have got like two bills for that extraction vinyl on on eBay, man. Well, Trav, I, I heard you guys talking about it, and I think I heard you mention that you didn't have it. And I had an extra copy from back in the day, and I was like, this guy's going to appreciate it. So, you know, Dude. I'm going to send it his way if I can. So I did that. You, yeah. have, no, you have no idea how much, awesome. man. That was a, See, that exactly. Was a, that was Mission a golden accomplished goose. there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I just had my buddy Scott Hatch, the guy who runs Burnt Toast Vinyl, if you've ever heard of that. Yes, I have. Uh, that, that, that's the dude who put out Scattered Few Sin Disease on vinyl uh, last year. He just handed me Reborn on vinyl for my birthday. How awesome. <laughs> I know, right? He came up to have a couple beers with me, and he was like, here, you can have this. Probably paid eight bucks for it 20 years ago. And I was like, but you can get like 150 for it now. He's like, I don't care. Just just, just take it. So no, there you go. sitting in a shadow box on the wall. If the kids go near it, I'm going to throw down, you know? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, people are sending me records because of this podcast. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool, Trev. If anybody wants to send anything else, email me. I'll send you my address. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, um, and by the way, I miss you. Uh, uh, enjoy you, but I miss Stephen on the podcast as well. Shout out to him. And enjoyed when he was with you. Definitely, he's yeah. Guy, so yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while. So uh, I mean, hey man, Stephen, reach out to DJ and say hi to him. I guess. Mm. <sighs> Grab another beverage here. Um, so where do I start with you? Good lord, um, the show isn't about me. But I want to set it up a little oh, bit. We, as can, to where we can I change first... the format around, man, and make it all about you if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever heard you was speaking of unteachers, the bass player on that first album, his name is Josh. And uh, your microphone's dragging again. And oh, sorry. Um, sorry. He, it's okay. He, uh, he's the one who introduced me to Believer. He got me into Extraction for Mortality. He got me into Vengeance. He was the guy that dragged me down that heavy Christian metal path, right? And um, he got the first Living Sacrifice record. And he was like, dude, you have to hear these guys. They sound just like Slayer. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I heard the first Living Sacrifice album in his room. And I remember being like, wow, this is this is something else. They do kind of sound just like Slayer, even with the, the dive bomb solos and the on the whammy bars and everything and then uh and then non-existent came out and i was just like damn now we're talking because they got a little bit more progressive a little bit more mathy you know and and uh you guys have been you guys have kind of been a cornerstone no pun intended for a long time i've been living the living sacrifice through all the different iterations and different vocalists obviously and and uh you guys have been around for i mean hell i'm 42 i've been listening to you for over half of my life so um crazy thanks Drive. Thanks for all that. <laughs> so, awesome. well, I had Bruce on the show multiple times. I've done cover songs with Bruce. I I, I talked to him. I I had a, I just did the reborn thing with all those guys and everything. But um, this isn't so much about living sacrifice as much as it is about you. So why don't you um, tell us the other side of it? Because I know Bruce uh, talked about the beginning of living sacrifice. What when he he did a double episode with Mark Solomon. Yeah, and um, yeah. let's hear your let's hear your side of it. Tell, take us all the way back to school when you were 
listening to metal and hooking up with uh, these guys and everything? Well, we first, I, I met Lance when I was in second grade. So we go back, you know, grade school, just kids not really knowing about music or anything. And then all of a sudden discovering music together and uh, wanting to do something just as heavy as we could. Uh, started getting into to thrash and, and Slayer and everything. And Lance uh, is a incredible guitar player. I mean, he wrote majority of the riffs on the first album. That's that's why a lot of people say it sounds like Slayers. That was on purpose because we wanted to, you know. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, that's you know, that's where we started from. So, I don't think I really realized Lance was a proficient guitar player or either even played guitar mm -hmm. until I talked to everybody about the Reborn album and everybody all all was like they were sure. all on board with like oh no no like Jason and Lance like assembled that record and I thought oh okay so Jason did all the guitar work and Lance did all the progressive mathy drumming and they were like no no Lance like <laughs> totally helped out with guitars and everything and I, I kind of didn't know he was involved on that level exactly um, good point Dr Lance was as a when he first got his drum set the Christmas of 85 I guess it was he immediately knew how to play it and keep, you know, time, and it was just amazing. And then he would pick up a guitar and be able to play, you know, things by ear immediately as well. And so he um, he attracted a lot of players because there weren't too many people in our town, you know, that were as talented as Lance on drums at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I think I heard Bruce say it, you know, we had to catch up to Lance as far as his talent level was involved, you know. Right, right. He's he's a piece of work, that guy. I, I, I used to, we used to laugh. I remember, I remember being out with my old band and kind of mini-touring with Tantrum and the Muse, Steven's old band. Right. And, um... I remember one time we were staying in upstate New York or something like that, I think, and um, we watched old footage of Living Sacrifice at Cornerstone, and we were like, oh my god, they're playing Breathing Murder, they're pushing twice as fast as it is on the album, and I already can't keep up with the record, and then I heard it live, and I was like, come on, like, this isn't even fair, Lance is so good, you know, but you guys were like, right, just absolute slaughterhouse live you guys played your stuff quicker like i don't know if you were just in a hurry to get it done or, or you you were trying to squeeze an extra song in the set or what but i mean you guys are no joke when it came to how fast you guys played yeah it was it was just what we were feeling i'll tell you a quick story about talking about trying to catch up to lance's abilities lance or bruce and i were you know Young musicians, Lance was already way ahead of us. And mm -hmm. so back then, we'd go to record shops and everything, and you'd meet other musicians that want to jam, and they would know that Lance was good. So Lance started getting all these, like, 20-year-old, 25-year-old guys coming over from, like, there's an Air Force base that's here close by. So they'd come Watch over your and want to, like, jam because Lance was... Watch your mic. Watch your microphone. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Yep. So they would come over and want to uh, start a band with Lance immediately after they jammed with him one time. They were like, oh, yeah. And he had hair down to his waist at the time. I mean, he looked like a little Tommy Lee. You know how tall Lance is. I mean, he was like miniature Tommy Lee back then. Right. right. And so these guys were coming over and they were talking about forming a band. And I remember watching, sitting in on a couple of rehearsals and being like kind of pissed off going, man, they start a band before Bruce and I, you know, can do it with Lance. I'm going to be mad. And, uh, <laughs> they're going to steal him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to steal Lance, you know? So, but these guys are in the air force and back then, like having long hair and having a metal look meant something. So they were like, bummed out that they had to shave their head all the time and they wanted to start their oh, okay. so one guy had gotcha. the brilliant idea he was going to shoot himself in the foot to get out of the air force early because the other guy was about to get out <laughs> oh my <Yes>. god <laughs> that's an awesome and, story and so i remember lance calling <laughs> me on the phone and saying hey man you know those guys have been coming over here and jamming He's like, man, I don't want to hang out with them anymore. It's like one of them was talking about shooting himself in the foot. And a couple of days later, he called me up and was like, hey, man, he did it. <laughs> no way. He did. But he went to the doctor and the doctor was like, no, that injury is OK. You're still in. <laughs> you're still going to have to do your you're two still years. <laughs> so he shot himself in the foot for no reason. <laughs> Just to try to start. Dude, that's the land. best. That's the best. <laughs> so there you go. Energy <laughs> a story, man. I'm getting that's warmed up. I'll give you some stories, man. I just got to get warmed up first. So. That's, I mean, you, that's a fantastic jumping off point, man. The dude shot himself in the foot to be in a band with Lance. And the kicker is the <laughs> he didn't get out of here. They were like, nope, you're still good. <laughs> goodness so okay so you um okay as a bass player i have to ask you i mean i'm not a bass player you were asking you as a bass player were you a guitarist that defaulted to bass or have you all were, were you a bass guy from day one i was never like a true bass player i just wanted to be the vocalist i flew or fell towards the uh bass because of default because they never gotcha. find okay. it good bass player kind of like how jason okay. wisdom you know just kind of like okay i'll play bass then you know we can't find anything right. serious and committed to what we're doing at the time and you know i just wanted to do the vocals from the beginning i got you yeah were you even a bass player 
before the band formed? Yes, did it's you literally funny because the, the first instrument that I got was a bass from my neighbor. So I had a bass since I was like, you know, 13 years old. I had a bass in my room and okay. I'd play with it and stuff. I was never really a good bass okay. player, but, you know. Ah, dude, you're no slouch. Again, watch your microphone. Um, Dude, you're no slouch. I mean, you might not have been like slapping and popping or whatever, but I mean, you were you were kind of keeping up with some. I mean, Bruce and Jason are not slow guitarists, so I mean, you were keeping up at least. I think you had a you had a good picking technique. You were definitely like uh you had like that you had like that constant low end engine helicopter thing going. Yeah. You might not have been running running uh uh scales or whatever, but who cares? It's metal, you know. Right. Whatever. Okay, so you defaulted to bass, and uh, you and Bruce wooed Lance into the uh, into the band, and and uh, or or Lance wooed you into his band. It sounds like, <laughs> and and that and then then Lewin, how old were you when this all got started? You said you met Lance in second grade, but you guys were like mid-teens when you started, right? Sure. Yeah. Um. It was the fall of 89 is when we really committed and took living sacrifice, you know, seriously. Um, mm-hmm. So I was 19. Um, oh. Jason was uh, like 16 at the time. So. Okay. And Bruce is like your age, right? Uh, he's uh, a year and a half younger, something like that. All right. So you're all like between 19 and 16 yeah yeah it steps down like one year each of us until it gets to jason so got it got it got it man how how you managed to pull that off something something in the water down there in arkansas but you managed to find jason truby at 16 and lance at 18 or 19 who are at that time were better musicians than some people that are still doing it Oh, sure. Yes, yes, sir. Yep. I mean, I mean, arguably, you had two musical prodigies, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting on you or no, Bruce either. But I, I mean, I've like, seen it like for myself, I, I concur. Right. You had, you had, um, two of the two of the best kids on the block in the band. So I mean, why not? Why not go for it? You know. Exactly. But okay, so, <clears throat> um. And getting getting Jason was the key. I mean, that was that was that sealed the deal. Once once Truby was in the band, it was like we were kicking it off. I mean, so much to the point to where at the time, I mean, Jason's like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen when he joined the band, and he had this little crate like twin that Bruce at that time had like a half stack with a rack and everything. So okay. we're right there by Lance in the rehearsal studio, so we can't even hear Jason. So we're right. like, ah. So I get this broad idea that convinced my dad to uh, loan us some money so we can buy Jason a Mesa Boogie half stack. And he's wow. like, I'm not going to do that, but I'll... Uh, I'll secure a loan for you guys with my, the company you work for at a credit unit at the time. And he's like, I'll, uh, I'll secure a loan for you guys. Y'all pay it off. Your credit will be built up. You know, it's a good thing for y'all. You know, So mm-hmm. after a year, Jason paid half. I paid half. So he didn't, you know, I think he worked a paper out or something at the time. 
But we got that Mesa Boogie, which was like, we were like, oh, we got to have a Mesa Boogie because of the thrash sound at the time. You know, we were like. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's that was it was like code. It was you had to. So y- your your dad your dad secured a loan, meaning he co-signed it, and you guys basically it, like. Yeah. So you guys started like Living Sacrifice as a business, and you had bills to pay already just to get Jason his equipment. Yeah, yeah. That's that's commitment. I don't know any. I don't know anybody else that was taken out a loan when they were eighteen. Uh, not to steal Bruce's thunder on it, but I was the band dad back then. You know, I handled all the business and everything. So. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, you guys were, I mean, when you guys got serious, you were 19 and 18 years oldish, and your guitarist was 16, so clearly you're not getting a lot done and, and during the school year, unless you were just weekend warriors and playing like Vinos or whatever, but... But uh, Jason's still in school, right? He was. And as Lance was and Bruce at the time, they hadn't graduated high school yet. I was the only one in college at the time. But any weekend day, we'd spend eight hours rehearsing. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, weeknights, we'd do three or four hours. I mean, we would rehearse all the time. Because especially uh, Lance and Bruce and I lived basically in the neighborhoods right beside each other. We'd have to drive Mm -hmm. over and pick Jason up. But other than that, I mean, we rehearsed a lot. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What were you you going to school for at the time? At the time, it was just the electives, just getting those out of the way. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Just going for the sake of going. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What did you wind up? What did you wind up doing with your schooling once Living Sacrifice started taking off? Uh, unfortunately, I kept dropping out. Uh huh. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> to go on tour, to concentrate on writing lyrics, or you know, this album's got to be, you know, written by September. Even though I've already got classes lined up, <laughs> I'll drop. Right. That must have. I mean, I dropped thrilled your par- uh, fall semester just to do non-existent. That must have thrilled your parents. How'd that go over with the uh, with the with the folks? Uh, none too good. <laughs> <laughs> Not so hot. <laughs> but I had right. the, I had the uh, I had the privilege of having a older cousin that was a drummer that would go out to L.A. and San Francisco and and try to try to make it and um you know it was in several bands that did you know okay in that kind of scene but they understood like the passion of like all right well we'll give you a tool 24 25 you know just pursue it as long as up until that point but after that if nothing if there's no fruit why why continue to pursue it you know so i had a lot of leeway in that with my father, so yeah. he was, he was he was a massive living sacrifice fan. <laughs> he supports nice. us right on. So the living the first living sacrifice self titled album is the one that you guys recorded in. The second one, the third one was in Iowa, right? The first one was no, in, I'm, uh, 
Yeah. You got it reversed. The first one, where was the first one recorded? Uh, Cedar Falls. Iowa. Yep. Okay. Catam so. The same place that Stone Sour's first album was recorded. <laughs> huh. A little trivia for you. Well, trivia. So, this is this is a brand new thing. You guys were just getting out alone to buy Jason's Mesa Boogie and everything, and you guys hooked up with Rex, which you heard me talk to Doug. You know, we you know Bruce Bruce spearheaded that and got me got me going on that one. Thanks again, Bruce. And um, you got out to Iowa and recorded that album, and then came back, and it seemed like uh, I. I wasn't I wasn't totally into Living Sacrifice. I wasn't bought into Living Sacrifice until non-existent. But it sounded to me like non-existent like you guys were playing shows to support the first album. I think non-existent was when you guys started to tour. Is that correct? No, we started we started touring right away. I mean, You we, did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. I mean, we actually did two shows and with Believer before we even got signed up in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like one of the key, uh, they saw like Lance, you know, play this believer song. One time we were the first time we ever met the guys in believer. We we're at this, uh, little gotcha. Um, so the first time we ever played out of state was with believer up in Oklahoma. And okay. We, get there and we're setting up and Lance has got to set up in front of Joey because he has the drum riser and everything and Kurt right. setting up his amp and everybody's kind of milling around and Lance is adjusting something. He's behind the set and Kurt goes into uh, vile hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. if you remember that, but he just starts going into that and Lance just starts playing right along. And I'm I'm recording it because I'm like, wow, Lance is playing with Kurt Bachman. Oh, this is so cool, you know? Right. And you see, there's this one that one riff, that one drum roll or whatever it is. You see Joey in the background as he's setting up his set. He pauses and he kind of looks over to see if Lance does it right, and then he nails it. And Joey just kind of smiles to himself and is like, yeah. <laughs> just nice. like went up, you know, just continued setting his stuff up. And then Kurt stops a few riffs in and goes, hey, man, He's talking to Joey and goes, you messed that up last night, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Lance just nailed it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's hilarious. But, uh, and then soon after that, we got a phone call from Doug that uh, they wanted to sign us so I think playing right out on. with Believer really helped because we had been like talking to Kurt for like a year with that demo um, before that so I think that really sealed the deal us playing live with them got it so then so then non-existent came along and it seemed like a shift it seemed like a shift in gears uh, musically I call that your uh that was the, I think that was the most progressive jump. Uh, the self-titled to non-existent seemed like a bigger jump for me than non-existent to uh, inhabit. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, musically speaking. Sure. Um, I'd agree. Yeah. 
And then here come here comes the second wave of DJ's vocal styles. Like I was like, who's that dude? I was like, the, like if it wouldn't have been for liner notes, I'd have thought there was another singer. And then when Inhabit came along, same deal. You right. Know? So so what was going on there? Was it was that just young experimentation trying to figure something out? Yes, uh, the, it was definitely uh, being young and and wanting to experiment, but non-existent was such a rush job that we just came off the road and the label was said, you know, if you guys want to play Cornerstone next year, if you guys want to have an album out, you got to get in the studio in September. There's no ifs, mm-hmm. ands, or buts about it, you know. And there's all this pressure to, yeah, do this, because non-existent, uh, we were wanting Scott, Scott Burns uh, from more sound to produce it we were wanting Heck to go yeah. down there and he had um, been in contact with him i talked to him on the phone and one of his uh top albums of 91 was our debut album he's like man i love that you know your flashy right. sound and everything he's like yeah man you guys come down we'll have you know you know we'll record it you know but but uh, powers that be said, no, you got to get in September, and he couldn't do it then. So we ended mm-hmm. up with uh, the engineer that we got. Who who was the one? That's interesting. I love I love doing the podcast this way because as you talk, I think of new questions. When you say the powers that be that said, if you want to play Cornerstone, if you want this, if you want that, then you need to get in the out. Then you need to get in the studio. Who? Can you identify the powers that be? Was that REX? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the label. I mean, it was it's Doug okay. I was talking to, but I, I know he was uh, taking you know orders from on high that this had to happen. You know, sure. wanted to to have a release out, and you know, we had just played Cornerstone the year before, but it was because Believer had canceled. You know. So we got that. Mm-hmm. The first time we played Cornerstone on our debut album was because Believer didn't want to do it. So the next year, they were willing to have us back, but only if we had an album out. So, okay, huh? Interesting. I didn't think. I didn't think it should have mattered that much. I think you guys still could have been. You guys still could have supported. So, but according to them. <laughs> Yeah, I would think I would think you're still young enough that you're still supporting that first album, but no, you had to crank out a second. Like, we're the only band that actually would were hitting the road too. Mm-hmm. Sacrament wasn't, Haven wasn't, Believer wasn't. They they did that tour with Boat Thrower, and then they were done after that. You know? Yeah. So I don't think they've you know, I don't we, think they've toured we, since we hit then. the road on our own dime. You know, I borrowed. Right. 10 grand from my father, you know, to rent the van, the trailer, get the shirts, everything. Said, we'll pay you back 30 days or sooner, you know. And we did, but, I mean, we set our own tours up, you know. Did you really? Yeah. You borrowed, you borrowed 10, that's interesting. Can we get into some numbers? You borrowed 10 grand from your dad and made enough money that you paid back 10 grand within 30 days? Mm Mm-hmm. 
that 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 was a different era of touring, huh? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I hear, I hear it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We paid all our. I mean, we never came home. Those three tours that I did with Sacrifice, we never lost money on a tour. Right, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I was a band dad because I was loaning. I was getting money from my dad. <laughs> sure. Right. So, he was the band. Your dad was the band grandpa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah, you guys might not have been coming home rich, but not coming home in debt is already a step ahead. That's good. Yeah. So so then uh non existent was recorded not in Iowa. The first one was Iowa. Where was non existent recorded? That was that was here. Downstage that was Pennsylvania, right? In Nashville, Tennessee. Nah, damn it. I still got them all screwed up. Inhabit was recorded in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, sir. Got it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So you, record, so you record. <laughs> yeah, dude, we get a lot of those. Ugh. I hate those. So Nashville for a non-existent. And that came the vocal styling. That came the, the musical style kind of switched up. It got more, uh, more progressive. Um, I can't say slower. Definitely wasn't slower. But it wasn't all thrash either. There was some mid-tempo, grindier kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And and um, and then you toured on that. And then what was the what was the spacing like between non-existent and inhabit? Not so rushed, I would imagine. It was right? uh, actually is kind of re- refreshing because the whole time when we were on the road, we were you know wanting to go. Um, in the direction that we did inhabit and I wanted to do the vocals different obviously I I didn't want to do the vocals the way that they are on non-existent the whole way through I mean there's some songs exactly how I want it but I didn't have time to write the songs and rehearse them or play them out live and so mm-hmm. once I once I was able to do them live they became like true songs to me so i would have liked more time on non-existent but in habit i had a little bit more time but okay again we didn't tour we were just rehearsing at the time so there's a difference you know Mm -hmm. so that's why like live i i will sound different on a song yeah oh yeah that's another good point i think i i even remember discussing that on the podcast with somebody was DJ has a fourth voice too, where you hear the self-titled, you hear non-existent, you hear inhabit, and then if you've ever heard footage of DJ live, that's actually my favorite stuff because I, I just I I don't know there's something about it sounds. Um, uh, I think uh, it's I, I concur definitely. Gu- guttural. Yeah. It just sounds. You sound like you're singing from your ankle muscles. Right. Uh, uh, live. You know what I mean. <laughs> and and in, in the stu- in the studio. <laughs> and in the studio, it just had it just had a uh, it just had some weird production. Well, like with, with non strange, stranger production. Um, I was so uh, pissed off at the engineer about how he was able to, you know, record and his lack of knowledge. And oh, great! So. At the time, a lot of that stuff is just directed like, I just want to like scream at him. You know, (laughs) these lyrics are more about like just being pissed off that he's behind the board at the time. (laughs) 
than anything else. And I'm like, oh, right. you think that was sick? What about this? You know? And right. Um, I honestly thought that, uh, and this was the whole time, I guess, that I heard your episode with Doug, but I guess this was the time he was dealing with a lot of other issues. And Lance and I, during the recording of Non-Existent, stayed at Doug's house. So we would come mm -hmm. back at the house at like three in the morning, pissed off, and go knock on his door and wake him up to talk about like what just happened and why like this guy we just you know Lance and I were uh, <laughs> really upset about the whole situation. But um, mm -hmm. after after we toured on that album, I think you know the songs how I wanted to phrase them and everything came out a lot better. I always like right. playing them live, um, but yeah, I, I, that's the one thing I, I would like to do some of the songs again on my vocals. dollar question here's what i've been wanting to ask you for 20 years um you have a million dollars well i mean it's i think the question's <laughs> worth a million dollars but i have i have i have i have like 18 dollars on my and last night i looked at my wallet um you and bruce and lance and jason and everybody in the living sacrifice family are are just that you're all family i mean for a while jason's literally brothers with the bass player um Y'all love each other, y'all care about each other, but there came a time where DJ left. And I want to hear your, I think other people want to hear your side of it. What exactly went down? Well, like I think other guys have talked about, there was so much, um, you know, kind of discontent with the label at the time. We had mm -hmm. done, you know, our three albums. We were owed, you know, money. Um, they wouldn't, they never provided it, you know, or, or provided, you know, we had, um, <clears throat> it was, that's one other thing is we had a, a good attorney 
Okay. Um, before uh, before we even like had our record contract, there's a good friend of my father's that um, was an uh, attorney lawyer, and he said, you know, David, if if there's, a, you know, if your guy, if, if DJ and and his band ever get offered a record contract. Tell them to send it to me first. I won't charge them, but I need to look at it before they sign anything. So I send it to Philip. He looks at it. Gave Doug a headache. <laughs> but <laughs> we protected ourselves. So sure. that's the reason why we have our masters to this day. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because we are represented properly. You know, we protected ourselves. And up until that point, I had been, you know, asking my dad for money, dropping out of school, just, you know, it had gotten to that 24-year, 25-year-old breaking point to where it was either it was going to show something or it wasn't. And I was extremely okay. burnt out, you know, mm-hmm. fighting an uphill battle is what I saw it as. And Got it. I wasn't into the van anymore, you know. Mm. Okay. I, I I literally was burnt out. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't care, you know, which is a shame because I did care, but I couldn't care at the same time. You know, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And it it broke my heart to not be a part of LS, but you know, it was what happened. So, you know. All right. So you. You stepped down from Living Sacrifice. You you weren't you weren't dismissed. It was mutual. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. I often wonder what happened because I know I know you guys were friends beforehand and I know you remained friends afterwards, but I always thought like yeah, but somebody had to bring it up. I wonder Oh yeah, I mean it was brought up. I mean they they like, knew that like, I was what, what, disillusioned and I was uh, not focused the way because I wasn't focused the way I'd always been. You know, I always took care right. of you know anything right. from the mail to uh, <laughs> radio <loans>. stuff, any <laughs> right. you know tour lineup right. and everything. I just kind of gave up and just like ah, I'm done with it. You know, and they're right. like, so, you but, know, but we got we got to either wasn't... have you or not, and so. Yeah. It was rough, man. I wasn't you know, happy sure. about it, but it is what but, it is. Well, there, wa- there wasn't texting or emails then either, so I mean, who sat who down, I <laughs> guess is what I'm asking. Well, we all came in a room together. Okay, all right, all right. Just wonder. I think, I think, uh, I don't think, I don't think people really know all those details, you know? I think, I think that everybody probably assumes that well, Bruce says that it was mutual because they're all friends, and and uh, I don't think anybody ever heard DJ's side of it. I wonder how it actually went down. And here you are saying that it was mutual. So, yeah, not not that, not that you don't believe and Bruce, but was, I mean, like, I mean, you, know, you got to hear both sides. I, I literally came to the point where I was I was done with it, and I was I was trying to. Just not be burnt out on God, to be honest with you, because mm. you know I still I still love the Lord, but this burnt me in a way like being in the you know quote unquote 
Christian music industry, and then I've got this company that won't send me actual, you know, statements that show the money that they owe us, you know, right. so I can at least have, you know, some evidence of not wasting, you know, six years of my life pursuing this. Right. So, um, yeah, I was just totally burnt out, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't even. Fair enough, man. You know. <laughs> Musically, after you dis you and Living Sacrifice parted ways, I I don't remember actively keeping up. Like I wonder where DJ went, seeing if you were in any of the bands. But to the best of my knowledge, other than maybe a cameo now and again, which I still don't even know about. You didn't resurface again at all. You pretty much hung it up, huh? Yeah. Like you didn't go sing in another band. You didn't even like do local bar stuff or nothing. No, you were just like I wasn't into out, it. out. No. So what'd you go do? Oh, I started a. Uh, I did a uh, bunch of restaurant work for a while. While mm -hmm. I went to uh, a uh, missionary school, and I was. Focusing on uh, getting my uh, focus back on the Lord, and that—it's uh, the same missionary school that actually Chris Truby and Ben Moody from Evanescence and all those guys. It's a local missionary school here, but um, yeah, man, yeah, y'all got a group I, discount. I did that, <laughs> and then after that, I'm just. You know, start doing a lot of local work. Gotcha. Did you ever go back to? Um, did you ever go back to normal college? College? No. No. Yeah. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> just wondering. Just wondering if you ever if you ever went and pursued anything or not. So, what do you do now? Remodeling. Oh, do you really? Houses. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I could have used you, man. I just re I just had my basement redone, and I don't think they did stuff right. <laughs> could have used. That's why I was like, I knew your breaker probably would help you out. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, he taught me how to turn my. I couldn't figure out how to turn off my water heater because I just took a shower before we we're going to record, and the stupid thing just keeps running and running and running. And I was like, how do I shut this thing off? And I'm trying to reprogram it, screwing that up. And he was like, kill the breaker. It's on its own individual line. I was like, oh yeah, it is. I didn't think of that. So you're a, you're a fix-up-the-house guy, huh? Yes. And uh, what what do you do? You, uh, I'm an exterminator. Do... Right, I, right. I, I kill pests. Do you I keep, do... I keep uh, pests like out of your houses. Rats and coons and stuff like that, or... Yeah, like I do rats. Ones? I do... Uh-huh. I do everything up through and including uh, raccoons. Oh, okay. Because uh, the the guy that actually introduced uh, Bruce and I to church, because we didn't grow up in the, you know with Christian families or anything. We we're okay. You know, we we're the first Christians, I guess, <laughs> or, or you know how we are. I remember my uh, parents being scared that we were becoming like Jesus freaks and too into the church and. Scared of it, <laughs> but uh, really? the guy that would take us to church, uh, I, I did like uh, pest work for him. But we would do, you know, raccoons and you know anything, squirrels and all that kind of stuff. And 
all the repair work and everything, all the woodwork and anything you have to do on a house. So it was a lot of handyman work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So, yeah. are you the type of are you the type of husband that works on houses, but you have a bunch of unfinished projects around your house, or is your house like immaculate? Check. <laughs> unfinished, right? Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Gotcha. Okay, just check it. It seems like all the electricians I know need wiring. All the plumbers have something leaking. The pest control sure. guy, I haven't sprayed my house in two years. You know what I mean? I got you. That's interesting. Let's revisit that. Um, going back to you and Bruce becoming Christians from families that weren't Christians, what was what was that like coming home, coming home to the Johnson family and being like, so I'm into this Jesus thing now, and uh, like <laughs> that sounds like an interesting conversation. How did that go down? Well, back back when we first started going to church and everything back when we uh first started going to youth group and church and all that with kai one day after uh coming home from church i started removing all my judas priest and iron maiden posters and ozzy posters and everything and mm -hmm. i remember my mother was kind of concerned and <laughs> She and my dad had just gotten divorced, and I remember her being on the phone with my dad, kind of concerned. She's like, oh, he's taking down all his posters and came home from church. I think he's going to be one of those Jesus freaks. And she was, like, just really concerned, you know? <laughs> no, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to make light of your no, childhood situation yeah, here, but this it, is ass yeah. backwards. That it's so funny that it's like, I'm getting concerned. He's ripping down his Aussie posters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my parents got concerned when I started putting up my Aussie posters. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, so we, um, so that was kind of our setting. They were, they were, I think our parents were kind of taken aback of like, what are these kids into, you know? Right. All of a sudden, they're well, they're not smoking pot in the parking lot. What's going on? <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting upset. My son stopped doing drugs and he's ripping down his Iron Maiden posters. Exactly. There you go. So so when you say they were getting concerned about what you were into, like what were you into? What, what were were you were you like a typical to to pardon the term baby Christian? Were you going home and like preaching to your parents and like? 
or, or were, you, were you a little bit more like subdued and I'm trying to figure it out as I go or were you guys like on fire for the Lord and just thumping on everybody no just always laid back about it never never rammed okay. down anyone you know that was our yeah. MO around you know our classmates parents whatever you know you're just like right. yeah this right. is what we are now so right and I rolled with it that's <laughs> got it I think that's that that comes with the Arkansas I think you guys are just laid back about everything right okay right on so what was the what was the um what what happened in youth group that made you that made you uh, open your ears to uh, to Christianity for the first time this is interesting to me to I mean I, sure. I don't yeah no no it was interesting you know, I didn't come I didn't come from non-christian <clears throat> Well, the thing that struck me, Trav, was I, I finally uh, kind of saw people that took God serious and, like, really read the Bible instead of just going to church for 45 minutes and then going home. And that was all that was ever said about God, you know. I was kind of mm-hmm. hungry for that. And when I heard people that were passionate about the Lord, it just struck a, you know, it just ignited something in me. And it meant a lot, mm-hmm. you know. It set a fire. Mm-hmm. It was like, ah, that's what I need to hear. Whipping up my phone. It's story time. <laughs> Man, I hope you edit this like really good because I'm rambling and I'm gonna come across as an idiot on it. <laughs> well, all you all you Southern bells come across like this. So what I need to do is actually speed up your audio so we all can understand you. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right. I'm scrolling through my phone. I got a couple of your friends here. I reached out and said, hey, do you have anything to talk to DJ about? And um, uh, let's see. There's this one guy. I don't know if you know him or not. His name is uh, Bruce Fitzhugh. Never he heard says, of him. Yeah, Where's he from? Not worth it. He's not worth it. Up the street from you, I think. But <laughs> He says, um, I'm supposed to ask you about uh, a phone call that you got on Thanksgiving from Roger Martinez. Ah, yes. What was that all about? Okay, so he didn't he didn't say anything about it, or no? It's uh, he said, ask him about the Roger Martinez call on Thanksgiving Day. He called him to debate theology. Ha ha ha! That's all it says. <laughs> and I thought, man, what? I hope I don't want to like. I don't want to like crap on Roger either in case I ever get him on the show. But I mean, I've heard multiple people say, oh, dude, I have a Roger Martinez story. So apparently you have one. Oh, so. man, if you if you can get him on the show, you need to. Dude, uh, I'd love to talk to Roger I, Martinez. Is, is anyone in contact with him? I, I know a lot of people that know him, but I don't I don't know if I don't yeah. know if he gives a crap to come. OK, so <clears throat> one of these days, maybe. OK, so uh, this is. I guess in 91, 
Okay. High noon in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanksgiving Day. About to sit down to the table with all my family. I'm totally going to put in the, the good, bad, and ugly. High noon in Little Rock, Arkansas. Do it. Um, so the phone rings and my aunt answers or something and she's like oh there's a call for you from uh california you know it's back when long distance costs money so it's sure, like right. okay and i had a phone in my room so i was like all right i'll take it upstairs it must be some um so she she uh picks up the phone and says it's a call from california for you so i run upstairs to my bedroom to take the call because i'm thinking uh it's somebody from a band or a label or something. Sure. Pick up the phone and um, it's our friend Drew that had just done the uh, anorexia spiritual design on our first tour shirt. So thought maybe he was calling to say hi, you know, about Thanksgiving or something. I was like, hey man, I'm about to sit down to my family. It's like, no man, uh, uh, Roger wants to talk to you. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, Roger Martinez is here. He wants to talk to you. <laughs> He's all nervous. And he hands the phone to Roger. And Roger immediately like goes into like this tirade about how living sacrifice was leading astray the Christian youth like a Pied Piper down this wrong path and that we were uh, not actually Christians and that vengeance was the only true Christian you know outfit out there and just like going off and i'm just you know oh boy i'm just okay uh <laughs> so oh, okay so this is this is roger martinez pre-satanism oh yeah 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 this is he's like satanic we're like actually undercover satanists or something he's like going <laughs> off on me like saying i'm like not representing christ right and like you know, okay. we need to get right with the Lord and like, you need to repent, brother. And like, just going off on me. And I'm like, and so I took it for like maybe two or three minutes. And then I was like, so like hey, home. dude, uh, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll be out there in California next summer. So what, you know, come see me or whatever. And I was just like done with it at that point, you know. Okay. And uh, all of a sudden he like clicked. <laughs> And was like, well, I got this other band, and we're going to be this industrial thing. And blah, blah, blah. and I was like, man, we just got our tour with Circle of Dust. We're going to do an industrial thing. I was like, are you trying to copy us or something? You know? I was like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> so, And it was pre-metamorphosis. So I was like, had he heard about it, and that's what he was pissed off about? Or I didn't know what his end game was. But I was like, hey, man, my family's downstairs. I got to go. And so I just hung up on him. You know, that's crazy. He he was he was saying vengeance is the only true Christian metal band. Yeah, well, thrash or, or yeah. heavy stuff. He was like, we're the only ones out there like singing true scripture, man. You're not singing true scripture, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> and that's that's why you know years later, obviously, what happened. But uh, I was like, wow, oh, yeah, that's the guy that. Bitch me out on Thanksgiving when I was dinner with family. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Roger. Yeah. Oh boy, I hope I get to talk to him someday. It sounds like it's going to be our total roller coaster ride, but I, I'd be into Roger it. Is. Have you ever That's have awesome. you ever listened to inter- interviews with him? Um, like those old intense record interviews that they used to do on those summer samplers oh, yeah, or whatever. Dude. Oh yeah, dude. I used to. Uh, yeah, I listened dude, to all that of song, them. "Creeping Death." You know, <laughs> it's like. Yeah. I I got um I know I've talked about this on the show before, and and man, do I wish I could get them. And I'm gonna throw this out there again. If anybody has them, Garza, Mark Garza has them. The drummer from, um. The drummer, the uh, uh, the drummer from Embodiment and Famine. I'm, I flaked on the name for a second. Um, we talked about it too. M- Martinez sent out letters to everybody on the Vengeance list. Anybody who's one. ever bought any merch, you have them. Yeah, man, I keep everything. Dude, my mom <laughs> threw them out because she read them and she saw like curse words yes. and stuff. She chalked them. So, dude, you need to you need to copy that joint and you need All to right. send them to me because I'm yeah. dying to read those things again. Cause I remember him being like, cause I, I remember him like opening with some angry stuff and there was stuff in there about his wife not being honest or, 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 or cheating on him or something like that or whatever. I don't, I don't remember all the details. Oh, that, but it, it was like a diatribe. It was, it was scathing. It was scathing. But then he also, but then he also photocopied some receipts where he was like, die happy, stole my equipment. Yeah. And he like showed proof, and I was kind of like, you know what, though, Roger does have some valid arguments here. I feel like in a court of law, he might actually have some legit shit. You know what I mean? And and um, I remember reading those things three, four, five times, and taking them to my friends at youth group, and be like, oh my god, I don't believe this. And um, and my mom chucked them, dude. She launched them. I don't have them anymore. But dude, you gotta send me copies of those letters. I, I want to. Yeah, read I'll. Uh... The file kind of down there at my shop. It's got some of that stuff in it, so I'll I'll find it and send it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be killer. It was Mark hilarious. Said- I was like, I, was like <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading it, and I was like, oh, so that's why he was so angry at me when he called that Thanksgiving. Oh, There's a lot going on behind the scenes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, man, he's pissed at everybody. I think at that point, but yeah, well. Uh, all right. The other one that I have here is um, Mr. Darren Delosa, otherwise known as Clank. says make sure that i tell you hey i said you got any dj stories i should bring up and he said no nothing crazy just remember touring together in the early days living uh, of circle of dust and living sacrifice he actually texts you now and again and uh definitely tell him i said hi and he hopes to talk to you again soon and then like 
And I'm driving around just doing my job today. And like an hour later, he texts me. He goes, hey, bro, actually, I remembered that when we did some shows with Living Sacrifice way back in the day, and he spelled way with five A's, way <laughs> back in the day, when DJ was still with them, I did sing No Grave for them when we played at this place called The Warehouse in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Right. The place always had a great turnout, and that night was freaking insane, and people were going crazy. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, definitely. You do? Oh, yeah. oh man, Clank, yeah. will be, Clank will be flipping out. Dude. Yeah. Say hi to Clank. What's up, Clank? Well, like uh, to take it back to like Circle, that first uh, tour that we did, we did three or four shows with them, and mm-hmm. you know that was the early days of, of what um, they were doing, and and it was all kind of new. They were label mates, and I remember uh, Clayton got the idea to um, to do Metamorphosis. He was like. Hey man, you know your next album. Let's let's do some remixes. You know I want to incorporate it. You know, so that's where that all came about. It's just on the road with them and and how cool they were. You know, down to earth guys and everything. And then mm-hmm. um, I guess it was the Brainchild tour. I think they came down to Little Rock did a show with us at Vino's and. Mm-hmm. Clay uh, or uh, Clank and I, I think we did No Grave here in Little Rock, but we did it up there in Bartlesville, and and I've got a couple of pictures of it. But that was great because he really loved that song, which I, I was like, ah, oh, that's cool, man. You know, it's our early yeah. stuff. We were on Inhabit, I, I think, at that time, so it was kind of like, oh, well, that's an old song, but yeah, we'll play it definitely. <laughs> nice, right on, yeah. right on. Love that guy. Sweet. Yeah, man. Oh, man. He he's become he's become a very a very quick, very good friend. All of a sudden, I just interviewed him. Like, my goodness, it it wasn't even two months ago, and him and I talk constantly. He's just awesome. such a he's such a doll, man. Yeah. He's such a good dude, you know. Um, did you ever hear the um? Did you ever hear the cover we did of Breathing Murder on the Living Sacrifice tribute? Yes, I did. It was awesome. <laughs> Yes, I did. I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. For um, clenched fist. Yes, clenched fist records. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, man. But, I mean, I was uh, when that came out. I was 
kind of blown away on how many bands actually recorded some of the old stuff, you know? Dude, we had yeah. to. Because at the time, Living Sacrifice was supporting Hammering Process, and, and, and it was like, it's a tribute album, and this song's like nine months old. I don't right. feel it. And, and, and like, what song you want to do? You want to do something off Reborn? We can totally death metal it and something like that. And I was like, screw that, dude. Breathing murder. And I was like, I'm taking breathing murder because that's the what. Yeah, that's like the drumming. That's the drumming song. Yeah, dude, dude. That's the song that made me go, okay. This drummer. I mean, three albums. That's the third album. So Lance is already no joke at that point. But breathing murder was like. Wow! Like, dude, I gotta, I gotta try to tackle that. Yeah, and I did, a, I, I did my sloppy version of it and everything. But, but uh, it was, it was actually, I'll take credit. It was my idea to cover "Breathing Murder." Sweet, I, I, I like it. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was me, that was me telling Crutch, wait, 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 we gotta go older. And they were like, "What song?" And I said, "Breathing Murder." And they were like, "What album is that on?" They didn't even know. And uh, they introduced me to a lot of death metal. But I was like, "I got this one." <laughs> Yeah, awesome. so, yeah, we, awesome. we did it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That, that was, was my, uh, that was a that fun was my nod tour. to Lance. Uh, the Inhabit tour was fun. We went out with Malevolent on that. That was a good. I love playing those songs live because it was just so brutal. We'd bring it, mm-hmm. you know. We'd mm-hmm. shut up the uh, kids flipping us off and saying hell satan in front of us (laughs) (laughs) come out with breathing murder they they would kind of be quiet it's like you get like oh this (laughs) yeah exactly so you said you had some stories man you have the floor let's close this thing out i want to hear uh i want to hear some things that stick in your mind for like some of your fondest or craziest memories of uh of being in living sacrifice i mean living sacrifice really took off after you left oh yeah reborn Reborn made them a whole thing. Hammering process was a, a whole other level. And then they did the whole, like, left for a while, came back. And, I mean, now they're, like, iconic, you know? And you were you were at the uh, you were at the induction. You were there, like, totally nitty-gritty, arms rolled, sleeves rolled up. You know, you, you probably have some very, very pre-stories that a lot of people don't know about. So hit me. T- give me a couple. Okay. Well, um Playing live, for example, I mean, just um, thinking about being on that Malevolent tour, um, the second show uh, that we did with them, we were, um, I can't remember the name of the club, but there were a couple of guys from the uh, this local band called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Yeah. All right, yeah, so they're supposed to be, like, satanic and everything or, you know, glam rock satanic or whatever. So a couple of those guys from that band were, like, right in front of me the whole time while we were playing on a 40-minute set or whatever, but they're, like, hell Satan, F Jesus, and just, you know, the whole time I'm, like, screaming, breathing murder at them. I'm just, I'm looking down at them and just, you know, I'm just giving them, you know, I'm just not even flinching. You know, right. and bring it, boys. You know, and so it's our second <laughs> show with with uh, Malevolent on this tour, and so we're like, man, this Christian thing's probably going to get under their skin, and they're going to kick us off this tour because they don't want like kids coming up and like harassing us and being this way sure. each night. You know, so we were like, I was at at that point, I was like, man, we're probably going to get kicked off. And um, so Malevolent comes on, 
and they, you know, bust out like two songs just right away, just hit the crowd. And the two guys that were harassing me the entire night were up there, you know, devil horns up, just, you know, going nuts and, uh, you know, saying hell, Satan and screaming and everything. And um, uh-huh. Alex, the drummer, <clears throat> and he's a big dude. He's about six four. He actually uh, played for like Miami. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a big football. I mean, he's huge. So he stands up and just kind of leans over his cymbals and grabs one of the mics and says, "If anyone's got any problem with living sacrifice or Christianity, they can come out on the stage and talk to me." And he just bends his mic back and sits back down, and they go into the next song. And those two guys walk back all the way to the bar and sit there the rest of the night and didn't say a word. Yeah. And so I was like, that was wow, a they really got our back now. <laughs> so the rest of the tour, we were like best friends with, you know, easy nice. going, you know, because that was our first yeah. like endeavor in like playing with a legitimate, uh, you know, I guess non-Christian band. Sure. Lance Lance told a story uh, on the on the reborn one too. I don't, I don't remember if I left it in or not, but he said, uh, um, "One dude threatened to stab him. I'm gonna stab yeah, you while Chicago. you're playing drums. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna stab I'm gonna stab you while you're playing drums." And Lance was like, "Oh crap! What am I gonna do? My back's gonna be turned to him. I gotta play drums, right?" And Alex was like, "I guess I guess the kid was like sitting close to Lance and kind of eyeballing him, or whatever." And I guess Alex like picked him up, literally mm-hmm. off the ground. Yeah. I remember that. And Lance, yeah. and Lance had to stop him. Like, don't kill him. <laughs> so Lance, it wound up this guy threatened Lance's life, and I think Lance saved his ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lance was like, "No, Alex. No, Alex. Calm down. Okay. Don't hurt him." Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's crazy. So, so in um in twenty. 13 or 14 or something like that you actually rejoined living sacrifice on the stage for a couple songs and you guys have kind of been tinkering around with each other um was that just was that just for fun just time to time to come back on stage and do some old songs or what yeah it was a combination of me being interested in actually doing something again for a little while and them Mm -hmm you know, inviting me to do something, you know, I'm not going to go ask, Hey man, let's do a song together. You know, right. it's their idea, but I was willing, you know, I was ready to do something. I'd been thinking about it for a while and, and it just kind of one of those things that fell into place. So, yeah. Cool. So what are you doing now? Uh, music wise or musically? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, well, I, I did a song with, uh, these guys that are coming out with like a, a seven inch, I'll send you the link whenever. Um, yeah. Uh, did, you know, some guest vocals with them, um, you know, trying to ease it back into doing something. I'm excited about doing stuff again. So we'll see what happens. Is it, is it something that, is it out yet? Is it something we can put on the show? Yes. As a matter of fact, I'll, send you the link it's uh about to drop so but you have permission to use the promo uh music so okay what's uh what's the name of the band uh well it's um 
I can send you the info now, but um, okay. It's got one of your uh, friends from. Uh, it's got Matt Beck from uh, Spitfire and Sean Agarum from Coalesce. What? Yeah. And I'm, the, and I'm on the third song. So, but yeah, I'll, uh, let me just send you the info right now. Okay. But yeah, you're getting a exclusive on, it's the first time I talked about doing this, but. Okay, cool. So what's the name of this band? What do you? What is it? Um, did you get it? Uh, hang on. This is happening in real time, folks. Well, not now because it's a podcast. <laughs> uh, Trying to make things difficult for you. Oh my goodness! You didn't just type all this out. Tetel, tet Help me out. What the hell does that say? Tessalestual? I don't I, Oh, all right. I don't know exactly the it's <laughs> you the can't pronunciation say of it, but yeah, <laughs> that's it, man. Okay. All right. The website is a newheavy.com. And Instagram is at a new heavy. Three song seven inch vinyl. Crush Satan. And the A's are all V's. That's pretty metal. So the first song is called The Dead, We Do Not Mourn, and that's with Sean Ingram from Coalesce, who's one of my favorite bands, by the way. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, track number two is called A Proper Exorcism, True Grit, with Matt from Spitfire. And the third track is called Preeminence with DJ. And we're going to play a little bit of that at the end of the show. And this is an exclusive. And that's pretty amazing. Who are these guys? Some people that uh, contacted over the, you know, the internet and uh, from Omaha and uh, into heavy stuff. So, right. I think they're they're about to break. You know. That's awesome, dude! I didn't even see that coming. That's amazing. All right. Um. Two other things I want to talk to you about, and then I can let you go because I got to get going. Um, I know you do too, and and again, I appreciate your time so much. Um, you um, you told me that you were just we were trying to figure out this Skype thing, <laughs> and you told me you were just recently on Skype doing an interview because somebody is assembling a living sacrifice, uh, like uh, like a movie, right? Yeah, Doc. Yeah, like a living sacrifice documentary. Mm -hmm. That's the word. I, what what's what's that all about? Can you tell me anything about that? Um, only thing I know is it, all the interviews. The majority of them, I think, have been filmed. And he's uh, it's a good friend of ours that lives here in Little Rock and does a lot of uh, uh, 
shooting for like ESPN. They've got a big studio here, and and so mm-hmm. all of his shots are. There's a dog. There's a dog. Hey, sit. <laughs> Bo. <laughs> What's his name, Bo? Yeah, Beaumont. Beaumont. What kind of dog is he? Uh, chocolate Lab. Nice, dude. I had a Chocolate Lab when I was a kid. Her Did name you? was Coco. Yeah, clever, right? Bo, shut it. Anyway, so, um, the guy that's doing the documentary is a good friend of ours that we grew up with. His name is David Lipke, and he's, uh, of course, gone on to work for like ESPN and stuff like that uh, here locally at the studio. So he's interested in doing a documentary about us, so he's he has all this old footage of us back, you know, from since we started, since we started up until, you know, everything recently. So, mm-hmm. yeah. wow. Does he have a, does he have a target date for that? Or is it just coming out when it's ready? It's coming out when he can finish everything. I mean, yeah. man. So it's kind of like his, you know, passion project kind of a deal. So dude, I'm stoked. Never I'm stoked to see that, man. <laughs> I'm stoked. He did, a, uh, he did a really cool uh, documentary called uh, Sl- Slow Southern Steel. You can look that up. Okay. And it's about... Uh, What's that about? It's about Southern metal. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. It's got... Uh, right on. Everybody from like the weight guys that are from here... To like uh, weed eater, uh, corrosion, down, paint um, three. Um, it's got cast of characters. Nice. If you're into. I don't. You're probably not into any of that, but. Yeah, yeah, dude. I like corrosion. Okay, there you go. I like. I mean, when I hear, when I hear southern metal, the first thing I think is Pantera because I'm from the upper northern east coast. You know what I mean? Well, but Phil's there, so yeah. Well, there you go. Down's on there. Close enough, right? Yeah. Uh, last thing, I want to confirm this. Make sure that I heard. Make sure that I heard all this correctly. Um, you, me, and Bruce are going to do a quicksand song. That's what I was hoping, man. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it, man. Actually, I don't know uh, how long it's going. I don't he, know how long it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it is. You know, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, did you know I'm going up to uh, Nashville to see Quicksand with you, with uh, Bruce in uh, no. September? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's a huge even though it's on school night on a Wednesday, it's going to totally jam up my week. But Beaumont, Beaumont says you're done. Time yeah. to go. My manager's in line. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, thank you so much. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to talk to you. And I appreciate it, and uh, I hope you got something useful, man, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a couple minutes worth, I think. Uh, no deal. Deal. DJ, thanks, man. Stay in touch. Uh, reach out to Clank and say hi to Clank. I promised him that I'd make you do that. I'll do it. And uh, when you see uh, when you see Bruce in Nashville to see Quicksand, buy him a beer. It's on me. Awesome. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Enjoyed it, and I appreciate you having me on. 
And thanks for the Believer record. And any other Believer Living Sacrifice stuff you got laying around, I take an extra large, ship it on up, baby. I'll see what I can do, Trav, for sure. <laughs> Dude, find me those Martinez papers above all. <laughs> find those. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll yes. make it a priority. Yes. I'll take, take care. Take pictures on your phone and just fire them over. Later, brother. All right, man. Have a good evening. a part of Lavira Productions. High five. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at As The Story Grows and visit the site at asthestorygrows.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode. Or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, that's totally okay. Tell a friend, retweet me, 
and give me a good rating on iTunes. Send your guest requests and any feedback for the show to asthestorygrows at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Take care. Bye-bye.